Well, good morning and welcome to St. Saviour's. Uh, Cam, my wife, and I are so glad to see you, even if it's in a virtual environment such as this. Um, it's challenging. I know that, that it's challenging. I think we have found it challenging coming back into lockdown. We know what it was like last time. The kids are locked away in another room <laughs> watching TV and there are two closed doors between us. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're aware that there is this facade of how we do um, life online. But at the same time, you know, we don't want this to be TV. This is, this is church life. And, um, and so we enter into it with a bit of humility and a bit of grace. Um, and we need that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Even if it does look like we've got plants to get yeah. out of our heads and um, clock on my ear. Yeah, exactly. But it is really good to be with you all today. And I am so moved by this story about Jesus. I don't know about you, but um, the way that he is in this broken moment and he embraces the reality of where he is, uh, but also has eyes and ears and a heart for what's going on around him and people in need, even as he's on the cross. So today we we remember, we remember uh, because it's Remembrance Sunday, we remember the sacrifice of soldiers and civilians who have given everything in some cases in the First World War, the Second World War, and I think it's great also that we carry on that remembrance for conflicts that we have today and that um, the veterans have been through. It's such a powerful thing just to pause and say, yes, let's remember that sacrifice. Let's remember what people have gone through uh, to to provide the 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 freedom to do the very thing that we're doing now, mm-hmm. and so it is so right and so good that we're doing that. And also, as it has been a, a tradition in this church, we remember those who have died in recent years. Uh, we remember their families who've gone through incredible grief. And you know, my first. My first uh, uh, job when I came to this church was to to lead a funeral. And so we remember those people in our prayers as well. And there's a lot of remembering going on in the wider church because of the suffering and the loss and the, the pain that we are going through as a nation. You know, it's a tough time. It is a tough time. You know, COVID is in some ways still an unseen um, aggressor, if you will, as a virus. You know, we, we, we haven't figured this thing out. And so there's fear over that. There's fear over uh, financial situations and jobs. And, you know, I, I've heard a bit of that actually from our parents at the 4.30, and you've met with quite a few moms in mm. recent weeks as well. I mean, what are, what are the kinds of things you're hearing? I think there's uncertainty around how long the lockdown's going to last and, you know, the extension of the furlough scheme. Does that mean we're in a lockdown till March? Are we going to be released for Christmas? Mm. Are we going to be able to see our families? 
especially those that, that don't live near family. Um, I think people are really relieved that we're still at school, so that gives us some just kind of continuity because the homeschooling was rough. <laughs> Although you were great, you were. I found, I found it really hard. Um, so I think there is some relief with that, but this, they're such unprecedented times, aren't they? And I think in times of fear, it's sometimes really hard to stay focused on Jesus, and and we we can retreat a bit more into us and our little kind of pocket of life. Yeah, and that's really understandable, but. Um, I think in times like this, even more, you know, Jesus is wanting us to step out, not literally, obviously, <laughs> because we need to be inside. That's right. <laughs> but, That's right. you know, step out and walk alongside people as they journey through these next weeks and who knows, maybe months. Um, so, yeah, it's it's challenging. It's tough. And I, it, you know, one thing that really encourages me is the way that people have been, I think, more openly talking about how they've been feeling about mm. this. And, you know, I think that is an excellent place to start. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm so drawn to in this story about Jesus is his openness. You know, he he doesn't ever shy away from telling the story and telling it in a really understandable way, and particularly about who's included in his plan. You know, I find myself personally challenged by that often to think about, gosh, Jesus embarked on this incredibly powerful ministry. It was incredibly humbling in many ways Mm -hmm. for quite a short period of time in his life. And it was really reaching out to some individuals that, um, you know, I would find it difficult to connect with all the time. And even though we've we've come from a church where we have done that um, and we've seen incredible gains working with vulnerable people and people on the margins, it never ceases to be difficult. Um, and I'm just impressed with Jesus in this moment, you know, as he's wrestling with his own mortality as he sees God's plan for his kingdom coming to fruition and it all kind of passes before his eyes, that he has this moment of clarity and a moment of compassion for this criminal to his side. You know, and we hear in this story um, echoes of so many parts of Jesus' invitation that have come before, you know, invitations to, to people who are sick who are um, social outcasts or prostitutes, uh, invitation to people who are, who are possessed with demons, who are difficult, awkward, uh, people who are prostitutes and sex workers. Uh, you know, the invitation is, uh, you know, to children and, and to, to all these people who, you know, on the, on the face of it, I would think, gosh, I... I would struggle with that. And maybe I do struggle a little bit with that. And I think that Jesus has something to say about the way in which he demonstrates his love that is very countercultural to the way that society loves. You know, thinking about 
the lovely versus the unlovely. You know, it's quite easy to love the lovely people, you know, the people who look like us and dress like us and have the same values and and all those kinds of things. But it's very difficult to love the unlovely. I mean, have you have you found that? Yeah, and I think particularly when we were um in our in our previous church, people did look different mm. and you know, some people that we'd come across hadn't washed for weeks and um And that wasn't just our children. <laughs> that can be that can be you know, just challenging and on on a personal level to be in a space with with people and people who struggle with addictions and how that behavior manifests itself when you're having a conversation or when you're in church with them. Um, but I think what I found is the more time I spent with them, the more relaxed I became and all my mm. fears of, I do remember you, um, you used to do Christmas in a BAP, which was where you basically throw all the Christmas stuff into a roll. Which into a blender. Is... All of the stuffing and, and, and trimmings and everything goes into a blender. I'm not necessarily recommending this for your Christmas dinner. <laughs> and they put it in a roll and serve it to, to the vulnerable community. And I remember going along and I was pregnant with one, one of them. I think it was Barney. And I said, look, I want to come and help, but, you know, should I be worried? Am I, am I going to get any disease? Or And I felt... Having spent then the afternoon just serving these people, I thought, mm. gosh, what an awful thing to think. Like that they would somehow, you know, give me something or or enter into my little, oh gosh, you know, pregnant world. Because you were worried also. I think you had one of the little ones with you and you were worried yeah, that is someone going to run off with my child or, know. you know. And it was really unfounded because actually the way it was set up, there were loads of kind of safe boundaries around mm. that. But... It really made me check myself, and I, you know, I do understand why I felt like that. But um, the reality was actually, all they wanted was, you know, seven spoons of sugar in their tea because that's the only sweet thing they get all week, yeah. and um, worried about that, you know, was their Christmas parcel going to be taken? Yeah. And yeah. so here I was worrying about, you know, me, and I sort of thought all about me and I'd not for one minute thought well I wonder what they think when they look at me or when they look at anyone who's serving and what do they how do they feel like they will be seen and so the more time I spent them the more comfortable I was but it's I think it's something we're always going to be challenged by isn't Mm, it yeah who who is hard to love and and how do we love when yeah yeah when they might be different politically you know in this climate um, you know, socially, how how do we how do we love? And it's very, I think, uh, tempting sometimes to think, well, I'm not really good at loving these kinds of people, or that's not my particular calling, or that's not my ministry, maybe. So why don't we engage with a charity or a project that that feeds people or or that provides housing or that deals with drug rehab or these kinds of things and and so i totally am sympathetic with that feeling of like gosh there are already professionals who are dealing with this so let's just leverage what they're doing the problem with that is that it allows us to miss out us mm. to miss out on this incredible opportunity 
to see the gospel unfold in front of our eyes. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. So Jesus says this beautiful thing about solidarity, about what it means for us to be with him and invited into his kingdom, and what it means to be thinking of others who will come into the kingdom. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 17, he prays explicitly firsthand for his disciples that the Father would be with them. As Jesus knew that he was going to the cross, he's praying for his disciples. But then he goes on to pray for those in the future who will come to faith. That means people that we may not have met yet, people in the, in the future, people who are not yet Christians. And he prays explicitly for them, knowing that the Father's plan is for them as much as it is for us. And he, ta- he does this beautiful thing where he threads these two stories together. And Jesus is such an amazing storyteller in the Gospel of John. He threads these two stories together of people who know and love Jesus Christ and being on a journey with him and those who have yet come to faith and those who have yet come to believe. And he, he says, look, we're, we're being woven together. Mm-hmm. You are being woven together. And then he goes on to describe the glory of the kingdom of God is in the unity of those two threads being bound together. And it's such a beautiful picture for me of this tapestry, if you will, that Jesus is weaving with his prayer, knowing that this is the prayer that he prays even now for us and for this community. It's also a prayer challenge, you know, as we sit back and think about Lark Hall, as we think about the wider community, as we think about the folks on the margins who not only need transformation, but also God wants to use their story of transformation to get the word out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this power of God's testimony. Mm-hmm. We see it in the, in the, in the book of Acts where, where the apostles always share the testimony of their own coming to faith. But there's also God's testimony which precedes that. And his testimony is, this is what I'm doing this is what I'm doing, and this is my intention, this is my story, and this is how I want it to, to see, see it come to fruition. It's the fruit that I want to see. And it's as much, you know, in my own discomfort, thinking about, gosh, you know, there are drug users in our community. Gosh, there, there are vulnerable families. Gosh, there are folks living in council housing, you know, Knowing my own discomfort with that, I also take comfort and encouragement for the plan that Jesus has in their life and how he's going to build our faith by through, through their, transforming their lives. Isn't that an incredible yeah. prospect? And that God will put people in our path yeah. um, where you 
might not expect to find them. And I remember in America, I was working in a nursery. I'm a teacher, but my qualifications didn't translate in America. So I worked in a nursery, which was a really good experience. And it was a, I loved the community of people I worked with. Um, and I worked with one lady who uh, was Mexican. She um, did, uh, she worked in the nursery in the morning and then went and cleaned houses in the afternoon. And I asked her, she did the odd bit of babysitting in the day. And I asked her, would you mind coming to babysit for the evening? And she said, I can't do the evening because I can't drive in the evening. Um, I said, oh, okay. And she said, I don't have a driving license. And if I get stopped, I won't be able to show my license and I will then be pulled up and I'll likely be sent back to Mexico. Um, and so, you know, her work was very much around things she could do in the day. Um, her husband couldn't get any work and he worked in a food bank and quite often she would bring me in food, you know, bring me in mm. milk and um, cans. And I think here is somebody who has so little and she's giving so much um, and come to find through the few years that I spent with her she had suffered the most awful of um, traumas really she was raped and then um, by her by her stepfather and then had to give birth to a baby at 15 on the side of a road um, anyway fast forward she's escaped Mexico mm. she's moved to America and she's so full of love for America mm. for all that America has given her and um, any spare money she had in the day or that she made was sent back to her daughter who was now 22 and at university um, and I think this here is this person who on the face of it is illegal working illegally mm. Um, probably taking stuff from the food bank illegally. She probably shouldn't have been giving that to me. But gosh, she taught me so much about love and generosity and kindness. And, you know, for many people here and in America, you would look at her and think, oh, well, she's illegal. She should, shouldn't be here, you know. Um, and actually, she taught me more than... And so, you know, more in that time than I, I think I, I realised. Yeah about the love of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, one of the amazing conversations that we had afterwards was a story of how you felt your heart opened up in your own faith. Yeah. Because of this person's story, there was a, there was a new angle on your own faith and how you understood your relationship with God and with other yeah. people. And I think, was I ever that generous? You mm. know, when, when we lived in London and we, we did have you know, we had quite a good life, didn't we, before your kids and, you know, before you went off to be a vicar. <laughs> we have a very good life now. But we had, we, you know, we were very comfortable. And was I ever that generous where I, mm. and I, I never was, I never was. And so I, it, it opened my eyes to how, you know, you can be generous. And I also had to learn, I think, in America to say yes, because we didn't, we didn't have much. Um, and, I had to rely on the support of other people. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me and my pride, you know, um, being able to say, actually, yes, I, that would be great if I could have some milk or, um, yeah. you know, have a secondhand coat or whatever it yeah. was. And, you know, I'd always been very happy to stand on my own two feet and 
and so that sort of that I think God was gradually working on that yeah pride yeah. that I have and I think he's still working yeah. I don't think it's ever done it was very difficult for us to accept that generosity because we felt that we were accepting charity yeah. and of course God wants to do more than that he's got a story in there for us so when I began to see that God was working in this situation to grow our faith, then it ceased to be just charity. It was God doing something in our lives. You know, people often ask me the question and you hear the question, well, if God is real, why doesn't he do something in my life? You know, why doesn't he send down a bolt of lightning outside? Why doesn't he leave me a letter on my desk Um, telling me he loves me, because certainly he has the power to do that. You know, when I pray, why doesn't he speak out loud in a voice that rumbles the whole house? Well, you know, one of the ways that God speaks throughout Scripture is through people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he never wants us to try and develop a relationship with him on our own. He really wants to use other people in our life to explain, in a sense, and show and demonstrate what the kingdom of God is like, because that's where the richness is. You know, all of these various threads that are sewn into this tapestry of which we're part. And God chooses people to put in our life to show us these things and to build relationships, because guess what? That's what God is about, is about relationship. You know, the Father loves the Son perfectly. As the Son loves the Father, they both love the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves them. They're their own three individual people, and yet they're one because of their love. And it's the excess of that love that spills out into this universe. And that is quite naturally how we relate to one another, is through God's love. And so relationship is key and even more amazing is the transformation in relationship we can see when we come alongside people who are really different from us. Not in a kind of top-down thing where I'm the teacher and you're the student and I'm the speaker and you're the listener, but when we take those power structures away and we take a knee, so to speak, mm-hmm. alongside somebody, or we're in a position where We have to accept food from someone who's poorer than us because we don't have food. You know, God does something in those situations. Yeah, I suppose the question is then, who who are those people here? Mm, yeah. Who, yeah. Who are the people that God is calling us alongside, you know, here in Lark Hall and in Bath? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as we spend more time here, we're learning more, aren't we? Um, and things aren't always what they seem. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's an amazing journey that we all get to go on together. And it's often tempting to rush into a program or rush into a solution. And this is what we're going to do for the next five years. And, and I love planning. I love planning, don't get me wrong. But I think we're really called in this season, particularly in lockdown, mm. to sit and listen and be. Just mm. be in the Father's love and to hear his word in our life. You know, I'm going to really encourage us into prayer in this season. Mm -hmm. um, I want to let you know that uh, 
I will be opening the church during this month of lockdown on Tuesdays from 10 to 12. And Rachel Hallett and I, Rachel is the, is the youth worker, we will be offering prayer ministry mm-hmm. during that time on Tuesdays, 10 to 12, um, in a safe way, uh, in, a, in a socially distant way that is in line with government standards because we need to be safe. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we will be there. So come along, you know, be prayed for. And in the way that you are prayed for, go and pray for somebody else. And we're just going to spend some time in this season really immersing ourselves into the heart of God mm-hmm. and hearing and listening. And I know he will speak. I know he will speak through people in this church and through people in the community that he's drawing into this into mm-hmm. this solidarity movement. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to encourage us really to sit with prayer every day. If you've, if you've got a Bible at home, um, I, read, uh, I read a couple different versions. This is an NIV version. It's really good. You can buy any of a number of translations of the Bible. Uh, I'd love for you to read a little bit every day. Cam and I do that every day. It has become the foundation of who we are because, you know, God speaks to us through the scripture. He challenges us. He shapes our prayers. If you're spending a bit of time reading the Bible every day and then you spend a bit of time in prayer, that's going to be a really good thing. Set some time aside every day for that. And I think that you'll find it will be rewarding for your life but also in the life of the church. God really wants to speak in and through the prayer life, but we have to be listening too. And it's hard, isn't it, to find the time. Um, I remember I, I remember thinking, gosh, I think it's a couple of years ago, and I said to you, I just don't have time. I just don't have time to pray. I'm always doing something with the kids. Or, and Rob said, ask God for the time. Ask God to help you make that time. And I remember thinking... Well, it's a bit of an odd request, but I did. And I just found these pockets open up and, um, you know, it might be when I'm driving. It might be that I've got an app that sends me a verse of scripture or, um, you know, I've just joined a Bible study, which has been amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's when I get to spend a bit longer in 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 the word and in scripture. But sometimes it's really hard, isn't it, just to you know, open up the Bible in one year or yeah. sometimes I have Nikki Gumbel read to me as I'm making breakfast. It's good. It's got a great <laughs> but, voice. But yeah. that's okay. You know, it's not always about, you know, finding a prayer mm. room and yeah. because the the day to day it's quite difficult to do that and to, we, we have mm. to keep our expectations that's realistic and Jesus doesn't mind where you talk to him, does that's he? Right. That's <laughs> He's right. just happy that you're talking. Um, so if it is something that you find difficult to make time or, you know, you open your Bible, you think, well, I don't even know where to start or what, 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 what should, should I be following a plan? You know, ask God for help with mm-hmm. that. And he, you know, he, he will, he will help. Um, so we encourage you to do that in lockdown where things feel uncertain and, um, people are especially so yeah yeah in fear and worried um so we we will we will be praying for you for the church for the community um as we head into this month now i've just gotten a reminder on my device i'm looking at uh tuesday the 10th 
this month at 7.30. We're having a Zoom meeting. It's very exciting. I'm going to try and keep Zoom meetings to the minimal, but we're having a Zoom meeting about life groups. And what a great way to get involved in a, in a prayer life, to get established in, in, in reading the Bible and praying. And we'll be talking about a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, Mandy has very kindly sent out the link uh, for this Zoom meeting. It's 7.30 uh, on Tuesday. And I just would love to pray for mm. all of us right now. And in fact, sweetie, would you mind leading us in prayer? No, I was just going to say, actually, um, one of the fears I had when Rob first went into ministry was about um, <laughs> being like in a group and being asked to pray. And I was really nervous and I was really <laughs> worried about what if I say the wrong thing? And so don't feel that if you're, you know, if you, you are in a group or you're worried about getting into a group that you will be put on the spot to pray and you won't know what to say or, you know, it's, 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 it's not always about everybody just praying. It's about being in community with each other and being comfortable and just being, spending time with Jesus mm. together and in a place where you feel comfortable. That's right. So, what did you ask me to do? You asked me to pray. Asked you to pray, yeah. What, am I praying for something specific? <laughs> I think just maybe, um, I don't know, just wherever you feel the Holy Spirit's leading you. Um, so Jesus, I just want to thank you for being in this space. Thank you that um, all my children stayed in the room. <laughs> we were able to do this together. And I really want to pray for for everyone who is with us today and has been listening and for people who are on a journey with Jesus, for people who are wondering where their place is, for people who are wondering how they can be part of a church or how they can walk alongside um, others who are perhaps not in church. And so, you know, if you do know somebody who is on the edge, maybe, maybe God's speaking to you about that. But I just want to pray for everyone over this next month as we get into lockdown 2.0 and um, that we just feel your presence, Lord, that we just feel your blessing and um, that you will give us what we need to get through these next months, particularly as we look towards Christmas and what we would normally be doing at this time of the year is going to be very different and we don't even know what Christmas is going to look like. And that's hard when you've got older people, younger people that you're trying to manage expectations around. So I just pray that we would have strength and courage as we embrace this next season. And um, we pray for all those in our community. And um, Lord, help us open our eyes to our neighbour to those who we know, who we spend time with, whether it's virtually or in person, be in those conversations, Lord. We we pray to feel your presence. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, listen and enjoy your week as much as possible. Look for those silver linings. Love your neighbor, and uh, we look forward to checking in with you next week. God bless. God bless.